Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here are your hosts, Drew Freeman and Susanna Skyer-Gupta. Thanks, Ray. This is the RayWenderlich.com podcast. Welcome to episode 11 for season 12. Uh, this episode was recorded on Thursday, the 31st of March, 2022, for release on the 6th of April, 2022. I'm your host, Drew Freeman, along with my co-host, Susanna Skyer-Gupta. Thanks, Drew. This is the point in the introduction where we have often said something clever about sponsorship. Today, we will continue as we did in the last episode, simply by saying something straight up and sincere. At the time of this recording, it's five weeks from February 24th, 2022, when Russia invaded the sovereign country of Ukraine. Here at RayWenderlich.com, we're a group of over 300 developers from countries all around the world, including Ukraine and also including Russia. Our hearts are with everyone affected by this terrible war including our colleagues and you, our listeners. You'll continue to find a list of ways to stand with Ukraine in the show notes for as long as this is needed. And now, on with the show. Thanks, Suze. As we end the season, it is time to turn the tables on ourselves, and today the lens, or at least the microphone, will be on my amazing co-host, Susanna. She, however, is going to attempt to cleverly deflect that focus and instead give our listeners a look behind the scenes here at RayWenderlich.com. Susanna, it is always a treasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. So, obviously, I have all of the notes that you have compiled and put together, and of course, I will be skipping around in ways that will completely keep everybody off guard. (laughs) I have to ask this right off the bat, because we talk about this before every episode, or at least we have been recently. How is the puppy? Oh, my gosh. So um, so several weeks ago, and I actually totted up how many weeks it was because I've seen when you adopt a pre-owned dog that there are these milestones, three days, three weeks, three months. In the first three days, you're supposed to expect that your dog will be nervous and just like kind of freaked out because they're in a new environment. Okay. That she was, that makes sense. Okay. Three weeks is when the dog who maybe appeared to be settling in will start to show its true canine colors and its problem behaviors will emerge. And I will say with my dog, Daisy, kind of the problem behaviors were not hidden at all, but definitely more so at three weeks. And then at three months, it's supposed to feel like this was always your dog. Everything's all simpatico, right? So we're at seven weeks and she's still a challenge. She's um, a very anxious little beast. Um, Very pretty, very pretty. Um, She's a designer dog, Cavachon, part King Charles Cavalier Spaniel and part Bichon Frise. So soft, loves cuddles. She has had a lot of turmoil in her life, but she started off spoiled. I noticed I came home from a dinner out at which someone had given me a present last night. So I came home with this gift bag with, you know, like wrapping paper coming out the top and I brought it in and it, it, we both realized, my husband and I, this dog has been given gift bags before because she thought this was for her. And she put her pretty little nose in the bag and was sniffing around for the dog toy. It wasn't a dog toy. 
a box of cake mix that somebody was thanking me for, you know, making them dinner before. And I thought that was, that was just wild. But so I'd like to say we're settling in, but the truth is it's up and down and, and a senior dog is not less work than a puppy. It just depends. Well, the good news is that we have WWDC and Google I.O. coming up so we can continue to still track the dog. Yes, exactly. So we will, we will keep tracking her. Thank you for asking. So one of the questions you've been asking people this season is their, their origin story. Let's talk about how, what you were working on before Ray Wenderlich and how you discovered Ray Wenderlich. So before Ray Wenderlich and still now, okay, I work as, when I'm trying to explain this to people. I say, well, I'm a software team consultant because different than many of the people here at Ray Wenderlich who work as content creators, I am not primarily a dev. I can do software development, but I do it slowly and poorly, although with a lot of enthusiasm. So (laughs) it would not be the best use of a company's money or time to pay me exclusively to be a dev. So I was working for a company that makes K through 12 learning software as a subscription-based website. And that company uh, is the maker of Me Academy and Mia Prep Online High School. They're called Mia Plaza. And so I'm actually a, a part, an equity holder in the company and very That's close nice. friends with the, the management team and was part of the leadership team there. And I've stepped away from that, but wish it well. My God, did I learn a lot. And then I work with a little um, four-person team that makes really high quality, like we artisanal Mac OS software. And we've got one iOS app too. So, and I do marketing and product management and generally cause trouble there. So have you, have you tried your hand at coding at all this season? So this season, other than doing tutorials, which is what led me here is knowing what great tutorials we have here and then thinking, wait, there's a way I could get this for free. And I'll talk more about that later. Um, so I've been doing some of the stuff in our content and I have a couple apps that are honestly kind of stalled out because I've been doing other stuff that are my, you know, things I'd like to get in the store mm-hmm. at some point. So what was the contact that ran you into raywenderlich.com? Was it a tutorial you found online? You know, I can't remember. So I've done multiple raywenderlich.com tutorials and I'd done multiple tutorials before joining here. So yes, it definitely was a tutorial. And it was somehow, I came in with this sense of knowing, you know, a feeling like, oh, they're like the best, like it's super high quality stuff. And I think it is because I used it. And although I am other than an expert developer, I mean, this is part of the value proposition, right? Mm -hmm. You can come in even as a quite beginning dev and access free learning materials and come out with something that works. And wow, that's so validating and cool. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's just like, it's like, I don't know. I, you know, I super love software. I love software development. I love the process. And I think of this as like the tutorials are like little presents out there with, you know, like there's toys with every single one. I know when we say something's a toy app, we mean something derogatory by that. But to me, it's like, wow, this is so exciting because you can get this tutorial and then there's source code for a working app. 
that you can improve. I, I can't help but use the term toys because, uh, well, WWDC, when that comes up, that's always like my version of Christmas because that's when I get to, uh, that, that's when they unwrap all the, all, the, all the fun new toys to play with. It's mind-blowing, truly. Now, you've done tutorials, and you've also worked on books here. Can you give me a, a quick list of, of things you've worked on? So, in addition to the podcast, the main thing... So, I came in at this, what we... What is one of the two entry-level roles here, which is I came in as a technical editor, and I continue to work on... So, we have content streams or pillars most of which are technical, but we're, we may be offering some more professional growth content in the future. So I came in as an editor on iOS. I edited, I don't know, a bunch of tutorials. And then the gentleman who was running that team said, do you want to be a final pass editor? And I thought, oh my God, are they promoting me? Why? This is terrifying. No, I don't think so. I don't think I can do that. And he's like, yeah, you can. Go ahead. Do it, do it, do it. And so I'm now a final pass editor. And we can talk more about what that means. And uh, there's just, I mean, it, you know, we both, we both share this. Like, there's so much fun stuff you get to work on. So it, I'm continually put outside my technical comfort zone. And I love it because I'm continually learning stuff. And then... I was on a book project that was reconsidered and we didn't end up deciding to go forward with that book. And I am now in the process of a new book project that I'm not allowed to talk about, but hopefully we will have. So yes, I work on books, but I don't have a list of published books. We've always got to surprise people. Yes. You've used the term tech editor and final pass editor. And I think a lot of people think when you say editor, you're the person making sure all the commas are in the right place and all the spelling is correct. But what 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 is tech editing versus what you'd normally think of as editing? What What does that entail? And I thought that too, right? And when I first learned about this opportunity about like, oh, maybe I could come work here. Um, I thought, well, I'm I'm actually super good at putting in commas. It's like a, a super specialty of mine. So I'm like, I'll be a comma person. But tech editing is another thing that I'm really good at and love. And a lot of people don't love this, but it's QA. Tech editing is QA. So it is somebody has written a set of instructions and put together some software. And you test that the instructions and the software both work. And I mean, you test it in rigorous detail and make sure every single thing works. And then um, and then you're responsible for fixing both. Right. So that's so that's often a heavy lift for me. And I sometimes need to ask for help and like sending things back to the author to say, OK, your app sometimes doesn't even work at all. Okay, mm -hmm. And sometimes it's broken in certain ways. But and sometimes it's just that the instructions don't work. But it's great fun if you like detailed work and you like quality assurance. And I've, always, I've done quality assurance elsewhere, and I love it because breaking things is really fun. Well, I think quality assurance is a great way to put it because I know the first thing I do when I get one of the books is I go through the exercises. And, and every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll sit there and go, I'm not quite sure... I'm getting this, or I'm not quite sure this is working properly. And I guess in a way, then, you know, that that's something that I I deem to say could have used better tech editing, but 
Um, but it's, I mean, everybody's going to be doing the same thing when that book comes out. So it's good to know that you're effectively the first line of defense. I think it's inherently challenging, especially on books, because books have a longer development cycle that because the technology is always moving, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be correct at the time the author wrote it and correct at the time the technical editor checked it. And then by the time you, the reader, are, you know, downloading the source code and running it in a totally different version of Xcode, it, it doesn't work quite right. And I think, you know, depending on the technology stack, we're talking iOS here, but I know like on the Flutter team, like Flutter's and its dev tools are constantly changing. And I had that experience, like trying to get like just a very beginning parts of, you know, like the hello world version of the Flutter app going, mm -hmm. you know, that it, that it changed just slightly from when they wrote it just because it changes so fast. So that's hard to do, but a point that's, you know, that's made here. And I think we probably felt it. I know I certainly have is if you're going through as the reader, as the learner and you follow the steps and it doesn't work, you don't think, Oh, the QA person, yeah. she screwed up. You think, Oh, I'm dumb or, Oh, this isn't for me. You know, I can't learn whatever it was that you were trying to learn. It's too hard. I'll go away from it. So it's really, really important to keep the faith of the reader and write and document in such a way that we do that. In a rare case, the reader will go, I think I found a solution to make this work. And then they'll actually go to the forums and we'll have errata on the book. Is that how that's pronounced? I've never, I've never. I think so. Errata, errata, errata. I don't know. The mistakes. The mistakes. So, so that's the technical editor. What does the final pass editor do? So one of the things that's so cool here, okay, and as somebody, I've done so much content creation over many years of working in the industry because there was other stuff I was doing long before Apparent Software and Mia Plaza. So every tutorial that we publish goes through three editing passes. It goes through the tech edit that I described. It goes through, we talked about putting in the commas, making things read well, read clearly, making it so the language is just transparent and gets the meaning across and doesn't create some kind of dissonance where errors are making you unable to focus on the learning. Okay. That's the English language editor. Then there's one last editing step. There's actually two, but one, <laughs> but the one that's labeled a, a last editing step is the final pass editor. And she or he goes through and does another full read and test and looks back at there. The final pass editor is involved with a piece throughout the entire life cycle of the piece. So we get to see it from as soon as a brief, like here's what you should write about and here's the references you should use. Okay. Is assigned to an author. Then that author will put together an outline. We look at their outline and look back at the brief and ask them questions if they missed anything. And then they put together a sample app. We get to play with it. We send it back if it doesn't work or is missing certain things that are part of our, our standards that make things consistent and high quality. And we get to be involved every step of the way. And then the final step is this one more really thorough, hands-on, 
quality assurance and language and is it fun? You know, we have an internal um, quality mnemonic. We say, does it have cred? Is it correct? Is it readable? Is it educational? Is it deep? And so the final pass editor is checking for all those things. And then we hand over each content stream has a team lead. We hand it over to the team lead. And I think, although I don't know, but it does seem this way from the two team leads I've worked under since I've been here. I think they do that all again. So, I mean, a lot of work goes into these things. And we we talked about briefly pillars. Uh, and these are the technologies that are the primary focuses that we have in there. And there seem to be an increasing number of pillars. Yes. Um, I remember when when the site was specifically iOS and then it picked up Android and now it's doing Flutter as well. So there are... <clears throat> And server-side Swift. And server-side Swift now. And game tech. So there is definitely a growth. And and we talked about the... And we we actually did an entire season on soft skills uh, with uh, Living by the Code. So... And, yeah, and I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see increasingly an awareness of, you know, let's develop useful, actionable, like what people expect from RayWonderlich.com is knowledge they can take away and apply in their professional lives elsewhere. So the, what might that look like for professional growth? And one of the nice things about the site is that while there is a subscription for um, a lot of the material on the site, there is a lot of material that you get without paying for anything on the site. Yeah, um, the amount of value that's in each of these tutorials, the tutorials are all free and everything I've described, like all this work we're all putting in as, you know, the staple of content creators all around the world. This is almost exclusively on these free tutorials. So yeah, that's pretty amazing. Each one of which, each technical one comes with an app. And I was actually, I looked this up before um, coming on today because I was curious about it. And it looks to me, I'm curious if this is your read of it too. It looks to me like as long as you include that copyright at the top, I think you can use the source code in your own apps. Mm -hmm. You can't use it to create competing learning content, right? No. You can't directly compete no. with what we're trying to do here. No, but if there's a good model or a good, uh, a good example of combined to process some, uh, some data, then there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to use that. And the uh, the uh, copyright notice that's in the top of most of this uh, of all the source code is very complete and very uh, easy to work with. I mean, I think that's amazing, honestly. And that's part of what's there for free, right? And we didn't even mention the video courses. Yes, there are video courses. There are books. There are tutorials. Um, and those video courses. You know, the videos used to be a six to 12 minute video, and now the video courses you will find are two to five hours worth of material to take you through the process of something very technical. Um, there are shorter tutorials, but what I'm saying is they're very comprehensive video courses now available as well. Yeah, and just fun, just fun stuff. Like I know, I think we have a video course on 
how to make Instagram, you know, and there are video courses on how to use the mapping API. And I mean, there's a huge number of them. And also we offer this. So like, let's say you're a complete newbie, because of course that's the material I've looked more at, right? You can go through a series of video courses to bring you to where you've got some level of comfort working with Swift and Swift UI, or you can do that in books. And you can get some good beginnings just from the free tutorials. And typically with the video courses, we've got a couple videos at the start unlocked so you can mm-hmm. get your feet under you and assess whether it's worth it to you to continue. You know. So since we've turned this thing into why is, is RW.com so great, um, obviously if there are people out there who want to join, the, the, the first question is why if there is so much going on already? Why would you join? Yes. Why would, why would you want to jump in? Okay, well, so, so I think what's most compelling for a lot of people, and I know I'm not the only person who joined for this reason, is if you are accepted through the tryout process, then you get free access to all this stuff. Yeah. And it is a massive amount of stuff. You get the subscription. You, uh, as we mentioned at, at the top, there are over 300 people working as contributors to this massive endeavor and they are international uh as as you've listened to on the show over the seasons we we've had people come in from spain we've had people come in from south america we've had people come in from western europe australia is uh one of my favorite ones to try to schedule india india of course singapore Yes, <laughs> we can keep listing them too. Um, and let me tell you from a from a <clears throat> from a, a, a podcast point of view, scheduling is sometimes difficult. From a from a book point of view, there isn't necessarily that immediate need of I need to have you talking with me for an hour and a half. Oh, but the thing is, for the books, we do a regular book team meeting. That's why Singapore sprang to mind because (laughs) I was for a while on a team with somebody in Singapore. And I think, yeah, we had somebody in California and then somebody almost all the way around the globe in Singapore. And wow, was it challenging to find a good weekly time slot for that. It's amazing. The technology has gotten us to the place where we can do that. And we, uh, we live on zoom and Google meet and all the other Things and <clears throat> there's also the uh, as I was beginning to mention the community has these 300 plus contributors. We also have a Discord that uh, is rather full and vibrant uh, between the people who are working on projects, the people who are from our boot camps uh, as graduates, people who have just joined the community in general. Uh, one of my favorite. Um, channels on the discord is show off your stuff oh okay i all right so i'm not so good at at frequenting the outside are just people who work here channels of which there are a number of interesting channels but yeah there's also ones that are part of our community but are not technical like you know there's like pets and kids ones and all sorts of things when uh before the Discord, <clears throat> uh, there was a, a Slack, uh, which was, I guess, a precursor to Discord. And there was the Friday selfie 
Um, and I remember I got into, I don't want to say a war with, but a competition with <laughs> Ray Wenderlich himself. He took a picture. I took a picture of myself looking at the picture of him. Oh, that's funny. And put that one up. And then Ray posted one of he and Vicky looking at the picture of of me. And, and it, we, we, I think we went like 15 pictures deep on that one. Uh, but it, it, that's the kind of fun camaraderie that, that exists in, in the community. And I, I think that's really wonderful. The, the, the connections that I've made here uh, over the past, what is it, five years now? Wow. Uh, are, are surprising. Well, and so I'm a year in and I feel like I'm really struck with how supportive it is, how accessible people are. Um, People, most people who are part of this community have a full-time gig that is demanding outside of raywonderlich.com. I work part-time outside of this, so this is, so I, I'm lucky to have a little bit more time, right? But I've been amazed at how giving people are of their time and as somebody who doesn't bring as deep a technical level of expertise to things, nobody trashes me for that and you know it's kind of, i often think of it as like now it's i've got to say it's been years since i've attempted to be active on stack overflow as opposed to just search it <laughs> but i kind of think we're like the opposite of that like we're sincerely welcoming and also we're diverse i'm not the only older woman who's involved in this community you know and there there are people from everywhere in the world of all ages of all backgrounds and that's really cool to see. I remember I uh, I discovered Ray Wenderlich as an entity from a Stack Overflow question that basically said, the solution to your problem can be done through this tutorial on this site. And I was just like, oh mm. my goodness, this is amazing. Then I found out that some of our uh, original contributors were also on Stack Overflow with the thousands of, of uh, karma points. And it was just like, oh my goodness, you are an unbelievable contributor. And I think that's one of the really wonderful things is that everybody here really loves contributing to knowledge and knowledge growth. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, yeah, there's some amazing, super knowledgeable people here who are just really kind and generous about sharing what they know. So how did you, what were the first steps in contacting or getting involved with with Ray Wenderlich, because I'm a, I'm a sort of strange egg in that I got involved by way of the podcast, and that's that's rare for most people. Uh, we've gotten a few people in that way, but so did they have like a Craigslist ad or something for like they needed a podcaster? Um, basically, the podcast had gone for was it six seasons, and then had. They decided not to continue it for a while, or the host had decided to move on to something else. And it sort of languished, but Ray was picking up steam again, and he decided it would be nice to somehow get the podcast going again. And I got a chance to meet Ray at one of the RW Dev Cons and just fell in love with the community. And, uh, 
and I said I would love to do something. I'd love to to learn how to edit, or I'd love to learn how to to write a book or something. I just don't know what. And then the the uh, the posting came up saying we're looking for a podcaster, and I'm like, well, I worked in radio. I can do something like that. I had no idea what I was talking about. I had never actually done a podcast. I'd only worked in radio. Ah, uh, but it's so perfect. I mean, now. Looking back, right? I mean, it's been six years, but my God, it's such a perfect fit. It's been fun. I mean, when I first came on, I was like, I know how to edit shows. I I used to use tape editors. And uh, <laughs> and in radio, I used to actually use a razor blade to cut magnetic tape and use scotch tape to tape it together. And, and, and I pulled down Audition from Adobe and I was like, okay, this is uh, not Photoshop. This is going to be difficult. But uh, after a couple of episodes in the first few seasons, uh, taking me the better part of an entire weekend to edit, uh, I've gotten that process down. And somehow you've managed to turn things around and make this about me. It's about you this week, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that when I tell people about podcasting and they're so impressed, like, oh, you're, you're podcasting. And I always explain no, I just come and talk to people, which I find great fun, especially when there's a guest or we're talking about somebody else's background. Um, and you do the editing. That's the hard part. The editing so. is, is not as bad as you think. It's really predominantly making sure that uh, the audio quality is as best as I can make it, which... I, I continue to try to improve on, but mostly what I try to do is prevent people from talking over each other. So I'll sometimes move things just apart a little bit so you can hear what everybody's saying, you know, while this person's breathing, this person's commenting. That makes sense. And while, I, and while I'm breathing, I'm turning the audio down. We've got coming up a couple live casts mm -hmm. and it'll be interesting to see what that's like. Well, you know, we probably will talk over each other a bit. Yeah, the live cast uh, is very different from from the uh, the podcast, especially because we also have a live audience for that. Yeah, the, the trick to the live cast is keeping it moving because even though you've got five or six experts, nobody necessarily knows what they want to say or why they should say anything. And you're like, okay, what do you think about this? Let's come on, right. say something. Right, right, right. Yeah, that that should be fun. That should be a good experience. And I think maybe both you and I should challenge ourselves as we go forwards. I have not done any video here mm -hmm. and I really haven't done any video and uh, you know, like little screwing around things on my iPhone, you know, a video of my previous dog watching a 4th of July parade <laughs> that doesn't really count as expert co learning content creation. But I think our video production is as scaffolded as the rest of mm -hmm. our content creation here. So I think that'd be a good challenge for us. So you'd asked, how did I end up here, essentially? Yes. So I saw a job posting somewhere, too, and maybe it was on the site that was like, we're looking for iOS authors. And I thought, probably I can't do that, but I have absolutely nothing to lose. So I applied for the tryout, and it's a two-step process, one step and then a much longer multi-stage step. So the first step is they... I forget exactly what the app is, but they want you to write a tiny little app and a tiny little bit about it. Okay. And then if you do that coherently, then you get bumped to the next stage. So I think it was a tip calculator, right? 
And okay. I explained, like, I am the most beginning level of dev. The dev I've done as part of my work before has been things like fixing strings, fixing how strings display, which actually is not always easy, <laughs> um, you know, but primarily fixing user interface stuff. Okay. And some of that actually was web dev where you can, you know, you can look at it in developer tools in the browser and it's, it's HTML or CSS. It's, it's, I find those much easier. Okay. So, you know, so it, it damn near killed me writing the tip calculator. I just, you know, everything the, they say throughout all of our documentation, you know, like we want you to be an experienced developer. And I knew I wasn't, but I also know I'm an excellent editor. I can do QA. I'm great. I've been a professional teacher among other things. Okay. So I had everything else, just not the main job requirement. So I passed into the next part of it. And the next part of it is they give you an actual brief from whichever technology pillar you're applying to and say, Hey, how would you like to try and write this into an article? And I thought, that's great. I'm so scared. And so I started trying to write into an article and I came up with an outline, like, I don't know, a three or four page outline, like really, really overkill. Right. I, grades were important to me in school. I'm that kind of person, right? I'm a grind. And, you know, and then the, the outline, they said, oh, you didn't even need to write this much in the outline. That looks great. Start working on the sample app. And that's when I thought, dear God, what have I done here? I, this is too hard for me. And so I said to the recruiter, who is a lovely woman, and I, they always say this about recruiters. The recruiter sincerely wants to help you. Okay. And I'm not, I don't believe that about all recruiters everywhere. Our content team recruiter for raywenderlich.com, she does sincerely want to help you. And she said, I sincerely want to help you. Don't give up. You know what you should do? I want to schedule a chance for you to meet with Ray. And I thought, what? <laughs> Talk to Ray Wenderlich? Like the human? not the dot com, like the actual man, you know, that was <laughs> terrifying. Right. And so I had a video one-on-one -on -one with him. And as we both know now, he's a human and he's lovely and friendly and encouraging and fun. And he explained, and he seems fun. And he explained this technical editor role and said, you should try out for that. And I thought, what the heck? And I tried out for that. And that went great. And so here I am. Yay. So I think maybe the message there is just apply for whatever and try your best and see where it takes you. <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, again, I, I, I also was, you know, I, I, I wound up talking to Ray uh, about the, uh, the podcasting gig and and it just it, it seemed to be a really good fit. But clearly. <clears throat> Um, and once you, uh, once you fall into a role, they really let you run with it. They, they, they say, well, you've done it. So you know what you're doing and they, and they don't micromanage you. I will say, so I think the podcasting is clearly a special case mm -hmm. in general on content. And I'm saying that because there are other, so we have this parent company, raiseware.com that mm -hmm. offers full-time jobs that are 
outside of content creation. So, and I think they don't, I think they have a different recruiter also. So, but on the content team, we have these two entry level roles, author, which is what I was not right for me mm-hmm. and technical editor. And then once you're in that, once you're in the content development ecosystem, you can go all sorts of places, right? And that's, that's how I ended up here with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's how I ended up starting to work on books and being open to writing or working on articles elsewhere outside of the iOS pillar. So it's, you know, once you're in, then this whole richly sparkling reef of other interesting opportunities opens up. I I know that you've, you've been on a book that wasn't a book that was almost a book. And now you're on another book that you can't tell me about. But Sorry. let's talk about that process of making the book. Okay, so books are different, but also really scaffolded. And what I mean by that is, so somebody who has written content and helped others, managed others writing content elsewhere, one of the things that's so wonderful about here is we have written instructions. So for pretty much every role that is a content development role here, we have a guide. So on a book, there are different roles on a book similar to on an article. So there are authors, there's a technical editor or more technical editors, there's an English language editor, there's a final pass editor. Every one of those, there's a guide for how to do that. And you read the guide and you follow the steps. And then when you don't understand what they mean or how to do it, there's other people working with you, typically members of the Raceware team. So they're around full time and they will help you. So a book starts with somebody having an idea, obviously. Uh, and one of the author team usually will come up with an idea. And I think that goes straight to, I don't know if it goes straight to Ray, it goes somewhere straight to, you know, the management team. And then the person who is in charge of books, who's now a a gal named Sandra, will say, okay, let's get a team together. Let's make a proposal. The proposal is an extremely detailed outline that considers competitive research, that considers the audience. And then that gets reviewed by management. And then there are all the stages of outlining chapters, creating sample apps, reviewing those apps and a pipeline it, you know, a content pipeline, it all flows through. So there's quality checks at each point. And so you understand what you're doing next. And so the company as a whole knows when is this thing going to come out? So it's it's very well managed. And I will say another thing that's great, like why work here, right? Like why bother to do this? I have learned skills, even at my advanced age, that um, I am putting to use elsewhere. Like the very, like the very basics of, okay, so if you're going to use, we use Trello here, but if you use like a Kanban style board to manage your content, so how exactly are you doing that? Okay. And like really obvious stuff, but like, it's not obvious if you haven't thought about it is each time a task, a card passes to somebody else in a pipeline, 
make sure that the new person's name is on the card when it gets to their step and that there's a deadline. So, so if you're using an automated tool, as we all are now, you know, they get a little alert. Oh, Drew, you need to edit, you know, <laughs> how to feed and comb kitty cats. And it needs to be done by, you know, April 10th. Oh, heavens. So the, More so work. Just, <laughs> but just really good management practices. And then, you know, then we have a guide that tells, like, if you've signed up to be a Final Pass editor, which, of course, is what I sign up for on Book Teams, too, um, because essentially because it's a project management role. And I brought that's something that I have a fair amount of industry experience with as project management. Then it tells you, you know, OK, look at all these cards, look for where they've turned red, you know, mm-hmm. and figure out why. Like very basic how to advice because there's an awareness that a lot of people are doing this as their side gig. And if we hope for any success at all, we've got to support them and and be really specific about here's how you do your work. And to be honest, there's also a guide for the podcast. I read it. Thank God, you know. (laughs) And we're fairly straightforward about that. that. Yeah, it keeps everybody on track so that if anything... If anything happens, somebody should be able to pick the job up and continue working with it. And I think that's one of the really beautiful things is that we have a path of continuity if it's necessary. Oh, that's really well put. That's that's well put and insightful. That's important. And you're asking about books. So another thing that's really cool about books when if you get an opportunity to work on one is so different than on articles because books have this longer development path, we have these meetings at the start. There's quite a, quite a number of meetings to kick off the book, to work on the proposal, but then it kind of ebbs into meetings once every two weeks, but you're getting together online with the same people every couple of weeks. So it's a chance to get to know other people in the ecosystem pretty well. And that's fun. And it draws you together. And then you know, then you want to do even more work because you <laughs> like the people. So you're like, oh, it was super fun working with them. And I find that really compelling. And that's why, you know, when we recorded our previous episode together on the podcast, the young man we had on as a guest, Henan, I had done two articles with him before. Mm-hmm. And he's a fun and wonderful writer and comes up with really fun sample apps. Um, but I'd never met him. Because we don't have that, you know, the the workflow on the articles doesn't mm. require Zoom meetings, which is okay. I'm not saying like, oh, for something to be good, it has to have a Zoom meeting. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. But it is, you know, it is a cool way to get to know people in this really neat community. So that's part of the draw of why somebody might want to work on a book. Because <laughs> it's fun, because you make closer Closer connections. We wish we had more time to fit in the entire interview, but if you want to see everything we said, instead of just hearing what we said, you can see the episode on YouTube in just a few weeks. Well, Susanna, I, you have done such amazing work this season. 
I, as I've said several times throughout the season, there's no way I think I could have gotten through the season without the work that you've done behind the scenes. Uh, Every episode, there is a script ready to fly that has an outline of everything we can talk about and our general information. And it's been wonderful. And I cannot thank you enough, uh, both uh, as being a guest today and as being the the co-host this season. Well, you're welcome. I mean, it's a pleasure and it's it's truly fun. The reason I got into this, which is true of like every single part of my association with Ray Wenderlich, is I thought, oh, this guy, Drew, he sounds so nice. And, you know, we have these internal happy hours that are big Zoom calls where we just talk and have fun. And you were in one of those. And I was like, he seems like he'd be so fun to just hang out with. And here I am. It has been wonderful. Coming up two weeks from now is our final official episode of the season. Uh, but of course, we do have Google I.O. and we have WWDC coming up. The The tables will turn on me and I'm going to talk about uh, this app and business that I've been starting up. Uh, wrote my own app and decided to get carried away and actually create an entire business surrounding this app. Uh, it's one of those true sink or swim kind of things. And we'll talk about the app and we'll talk about uh, really trying to... Uh, to businessify that process and we'll see how that one goes and that's what we'll be talking about in two weeks google io is set for the end of middle of may right i want to say may 11th may maybe 11th. i was just writing this down i think so and we're going to have a panel of we're going to have a panel of uh, of android experts and we're going to talk about what was announced at Google IO and then typically by today by the 31st of uh, of March Apple has announced WWDC and they haven't yet so I know I looked right before we came on together today to see what's up yeah, hopefully there'll be an announcement by the time this episode drops uh, we will be covering whatever WWDC announcements are made uh, as well with a panel of iOS and uh, and other Swift experts. Yeah, that'll be exciting. That's going to wrap things up uh, for Susanna again, who I cannot do this show without. And myself, uh, you can find Susanna online on Twitter at Susgupta on Twitter, S-U-Z-G-U-P-T-A. I am Podcast Drew, D-R-U. We'll see you all again in two weeks, or we'll hear you all again in two weeks. Until then, back to the Emerald Castle. Ray, back to you. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.